You're listening to a message from Mercy Culture Church, home of Pastor Landon and Heather Schott in Fort Worth, Texas. For more information about Mercy Culture and ways that you can be a part of it, visit mercyculture.com. First Kings 19 says this, Now Ahab told Jezebel all that Elijah had done and how he had killed the prophets with the sword. Verse 2. Then Jezebel sent a messenger to Elijah saying, so may be it with me that God's deal with me ever so severely if I do not make your life as one of them by this time tomorrow. Verse three, then he was afraid. Someone say fear. And he arose and ran for his life and he came to Beersheba, which belongs to Judah. And he left his servant there. Verse four, but he himself went a day's journey into the wilderness, came and sat down under a broom tree and prayed or asked God that he might die saying, it is enough. Now, O Lord, take my life for I am no better than my father's. I came to tell you this morning, a mind submitted to the Lord expands territory. The title of this message is Expanding Territory, A Sound Mind. Let's pray. So, Father, I thank you for your word. I thank you that your word is true and every man's a liar. We declare that your word is a lamp into our feet and a light into our path. Holy Spirit, I ask right now that you give us ears to hear, hearts to receive, minds to understand what your spirit is saying. Father, I thank you right now. I pray that you would breathe upon your Logos word and I pray it would become rhema right now. Lord, we just declare right now and we take authority. We say no spirit, but the Holy Spirit is welcome in this place. We say, fear, you have to go. Come on, intercessors, pray with me. We say, Jezebel, you have to go. Dark, dark, tormenting spirits, distracting spirits, harassing spirits, you must go. We say, Holy Spirit, come and rule and reign. Father, I pray for a special grace on me today to minister your word. Let me articulate everything that is in your heart today. I thank you, Father, that you are replacing my words with yours. Lord, I thank you. No one came to hear me. We all came to hear you. So we say, speak, Lord. Your servants are listening. And all God's people said amen Amen. and amen. Well, I heard from the Lord and he said today was a day of deliverance. I felt God in that. A few people already just partnered with that. I said today's the day of deliverance. Good morning. Someone got it. I was on the trail running. Why are you laughing? <laughs> Whoever posted I was swimming in the Trinity Trail when it rained last week, a bunch of you sent me messages. I was swimming in the Trinity Trail. I just want to let you know that your honoriness blessed my life. I laughed out loud every time someone sent that. That blessed me. But I was on the trail praying this week and I had a vision, and the vision was you at this altar today getting delivered. Now, I, I, I want to explain deliverance. I get delivered between four and six times a year. And it's my favorite moments of the year. What do I mean by deliverance? I mean there's something on me that shouldn't be on me. There's something harassing me that shouldn't be harassing me. There's something that I got tricked into carrying that I should not be carrying. There's a weight on me. There's a distraction on me. There's something tormenting me. And listen, I'll have these moments where I'm doing my daily encounter and I'll encounter the presence of God. And it's like he just comes and snatches it off off me. 
I said, some of you are going to get delivered today. It's a day of deliverance. The Lord spoke to us and said, this is a year of expanding territory. It's the first Chronicles 4:10 year. This is the year that, oh, he would bless us indeed, expand our territory, put his hand of favor upon us and keep us from evil. Let me just pastor you for a second. Do not get tired stewarding the words of God. Don't get tired stewarding prophetic words. I watch people run from service to service, trying to get a blessing, get glory, get a prophetic word, but they never steward what they've been given. I want, to be a, I want to be a servant. I want to be a steward that God gives more because I steward so well what he's given me. This is something I'm praying every single day over my life. I'm praying it over your life. I hope you're praying it. I would encourage you, pray this prayer over your family every single day. Turn to your neighbor, say every day. Turn to your second choice and say you too. So... When I release this prophetic word, if you're new to the church, and I understand a lot of people come throughout the months and you, you may have missed this word. So go back to the, the live stream, go back to YouTube and watch it. But the prophetic word released on expanding territory. When I got done preaching that word on expanding territory, I stood here at this pulpit and I prophesied over our lives and over this house and your houses. There was about 10 or 12 different things that I released prophetically. And the Lord told me to go back to that prophetic word and steward a few of those things. So I stood here in January and I declared over this congregation, it was a year of expanding territory. Part of that words was we would be, we, this would be a year we would renew our minds or we would take territory in our minds that we would take mental real estate, that we would expand territory in spiritual strength. I saw people on a roller coaster of life, a roller coaster of their emotions, and they were up and down constantly. And I saw in the spirit that this year you got off the ride. So there's a few people that are gonna get ministered today. Some of you are undisciplined in your mind. You're not a bad person. You love God, God loves you, you're undisciplined. So you are a punching bag for the enemy and you just take it and you allow him to come into your mind and say whatever he wants to say when he wants to say it. You're gonna get delivered today. Then there's another group of people that you're being demonically harassed. And I've been there. And it's a scary place to be when you feel like you're losing control of your mind because there's so much demonic harassment. The Lord told me you were gonna get delivered today. Hear this word. A mind submitted expands spiritual territory. We've been singing this song, we've been singing this, this word, this scripture all summer long. Second Timothy 1, 7, God has not given us a spirit of fear. Someone say fear, go. But of power, love, and a sound mind. Help me preach this morning. Say power. Say love. Someone shout a sound mind. You know what's wild about Second Timothy is Paul is writing to Timothy while he's in prison preparing to be beheaded. And sitting in prison, he says, hey, Timothy, God has not given me a spirit of fear. 
Some of you are shaking in fear on your sofa with your three-car garage house. Driving your luxury car, partnering with fear. Paul in prison is saying, hey, Timothy, let me encourage you. I know they have me locked up, but God hasn't given me a spirit of fear. He's given me power, love, and a sound mind. Now watch, before I get into a sound mind, I got to stop. Scripture says he has not given us a spirit of fear. Do you know that fear is not a feeling, it's a spirit? Fear is a demonic spirit. It's an antichrist spirit. It's an anti-Holy Spirit spirit. How do you know it's a spirit? Because fear has a voice like the Holy Spirit and it has a presence like the Holy Spirit. You can feel fear come in the room. Some of you, fear talks to you all the time. Some of you don't think that God speaks to you, but you hear the spirit of fear so easily. He talks to you all the time. You could tell me exactly what he says to you all the time. But I got good news for you. If you can hear fear, you hear spiritually. And it's all you need to do is learn how to turn your ears to the Holy Spirit. It is a spirit. And watch, scripture says God didn't give it to you. So why are you entertaining a spirit God did not give to you? Someone just shout, fear go in this house. This is not a cute song. This is a prophetic declaration that we will not tolerate any spirit but the Holy Spirit. So scripture says he has not given you a spirit of fear, but he has given you power. Someone say power. That word power is the word dunamis. That dunamis is the ability to accomplish everything God has called you to do. It is the power of God. In Acts chapter 1, the Bible says that God gave us the spirit of uh, this power. He says, wait for this gift, this gift of power, this dunamis power, so that you could be my witnesses or you could accomplish everything that you're supposed to do. So God, watch, did not give us fear, but he gave us power. Someone say power. Then he gave us love. Someone say love. Let me just stop on love for a second because love is one of those things that the church is familiar with but don't understand. So let me ask you this question. Church, can you biblically define love? Because most people can't. Most people think love is a feeling. That's why you fall into love and fall out of love. But you are led by your feelings. But that's not what the Bible says love is. Now, this is a dangerous thing because the world talks about love all the time and the church talks about love all the time. But if you don't know what God says about love, you allow the world's definition to become your definition. So let me just help you for a second because people are trying to confuse the people of God by using God's words but trying to hijack the definitions. I was at a store the other day and some kid had a, a rainbow tattoo on him and it said, love is love. I said, what's that mean? He said, it means that love is love. I said, no, that's what it says. I asked you what it meant. But he couldn't tell me what it meant. You ever notice they do this with other things? They say stuff like, well, what is a woman? Well, a woman's a woman. No, you just told me the name of what I asked you to define. But they will try to use the same word to define a word, but it's not a definition. So they'll say, well, a woman is a woman. Well, a woman's not a woman. It's really simple. A woman is the one with the womb. 
But why is it so difficult for you to define that word? Because you, you are not satisfied with God's definition of it. You are trying to redefine it. That's why you say stuff like, well, love is love. Because you're trying to redefine. Watch, you don't like God's definition. So you're trying to redefine it. So then you have Christians that, that, that aren't grounded. The words say stuff like, well, love is God. No, no, no. God is love. Love is not God. Oh, it sounded good to you, but it's not God. That's why your definition, how you behave or act out love is nothing to do with what God's word says love is. God defines love as the word agape. Do you know what agape means? It is the preferred love. It is the divine love. It is the higher love. It is the love of choice. So when Christians go around talking about how they feel, Jesus says, I want you to choose. Choose this day who you will serve. Jesus said it like this in John 14, 15. If you love me, you will choose to obey me. Watch this. I am so glad when Jesus was in the garden, not feeling like dying on the cross, that he chose. Then he said this, Matthew 22. The greatest commandment is to love him. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, your soul, your mind, and strength. Watch this. That's why the world can't love because it's impossible to love people when you can't love God. It says love him first, then love your neighbor as yourself. See, this is how God defines love. Put Matthew 22 up there. Then here's, he goes on to say, love the Lord with everything you got. Love him with all of your heart and all of your mind. All of your mind. See, the process to a sound mind is loving God with all of your mind. Says he has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power, love, and a sound mind. What is a sound mind? It's funny, I get up here all the time and I talk about a word in the Greek or Hebrew, and, and then I tell you, well, there's hundreds of definitions, hundreds of times this is used in the Word of God. And I can't say that today because from what I've studied, I only found one occurrence of this word in the Word of God, and it's right here in 2 Timothy 1 7. That word sound mind. Now, if you open up your Bible and look at 2 Timothy 1.7 right now, there's a good chance it doesn't say sound mind. It might say different things like self-discipline. It might say stuff like uh, self-control. It might say good judgment or sound judgment. There's all of these different words describing this one very unique but complex topic of a sound mind. So let's look at it in the Greek. In the Greek, it's the word sophroniamos. And here's what it means. It means a calm, quiet mind, a sound mind that can think straight, think clearly, make wise choices. It's prudent. It's it has discretion. It's a mind that's well balanced. It's a mind that everything is under the right influences. That's why it's sober. It's everything is in its proper place. Or let me give you a very simple definition. A sound mind is a mind that is submitted to the Holy Spirit. 
Or there's another phrase the Bible used that is like this. A sound mind is those that have the mind of Christ. Those that have the mind of Christ have a mind that is submitted to the Holy Spirit. It is, watch, it is under the control of God because it knows that God is in control. Or watch, your mind is the mental real estate that belongs to God. Say it again. Those with the sound mind, God owns their thoughts. So there's a great value on their thoughts and minds because it is submitted to the Lord. So here's the important thing. Minds that are not submitted to the Holy Spirit are influenced by the demonic. I'm going to say that again. Minds that are not submitted to the Holy Spirit are influenced by the demonic. Let me give you an example. In Luke chapter 8, I don't have time to get in the whole thing. Around verse 30, there's a story of a demon-possessed man. You know the story. Jesus casts out the demons and they go into the herd of pigs. But here's what the Bible says. It says that this was a man who was out of his mind. He was naked on a regular basis. You know that demons are involved in your life when your clothes are coming off regularly. He was unrestrained. And here's the Bible says that Jesus cast out the demons. And then according to scripture, I believe it's in verse 37. It says, or verse 35, it says, the people went out to see what had happened. They came to Jesus and they found the man with demons had left him. Look at this, sitting at Jesus' feet, clothed and in his right mind. Watch this. And then the people were afraid. No, 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 this is type and shadow of what we're experiencing in America right now. Because people with their right mind bring fear to those with depraved minds. Now, that word right mind is a root word to the Greek word of sound mind. But the difference between that right mind and the sound mind is it comes from the root word. That's what I love about God's word. When you read the Bible in Greek and Hebrew, it brings this giant amount of description. It's colorful, it's bright, it's, it's, it's expansive of understanding things. So watch this. So you have a man who has now a right mind. That word right mind in the Greek is broken up in two different words. One is so and one is friend. So that word sos means this, safe or safety. That word friend means what regulates life. That word friend in the Greek is where we get the word diaphragm. Or it's the inner parts of life. I'll explain it like this. I've been preaching for about 20 years now. And when I first started preaching, every time I'd preach, I would lose my voice. I'm still working on it now. But I would lose my voice every time I'd preach, every conference, every crusade, I'd lose my voice. And finally, I had one of the singers in the church come to me and said, you need vocal lessons. And I said, why? I got a strong voice. And she said, no, you lose your voice because you preach from your throat, not your diaphragm. She said, I'm gonna teach you how to preach from your diaphragm. I'm going to 
teach you how to preach from your inner part. Now, this is what happens. When you learn how to use your diaphragm, you learn the source, watch, of the power or the control of your voice. When you study this in the Greek, it actually symbolizes the opera singers that have the greatest control of their inmost parts, where they can control the power of their voice. They can control the pitch of their voice. It even goes to fa so far to say they can control their heartbeat as they are projecting. Holy Spirit, help me break this down. Watch. Those with the right mind have control of the source of what comes out of them. It likens it to singers, but I believe it's not about singing, it's about worship. Uh, those that are in a right mind, watch, can control the source of their worship. Uh, see, this is one of the first things that the enemy attacks is your worship. Isn't it interesting that when America shut down in 2020 and all of the uh, churches said, yes, government, whatever you tell us to do, and they all shut down, they said, hey, and not only that, but you guys can't sing. Watch, watch. And when we stopped worshiping, look at the insanity that quickly followed after the people of God stopped worshiping. Are you seeing this today? See, the enemy knows if he can stop your worship, he has access to your mind. Oh, do you remember in 1 Samuel chapter 16 when Saul was being tormented by demonic spirits? What did they do? They said, would you grab a worshiper and find someone to worship? So David comes because he's skilled in worship and he begins to worship for a king, watch, who's being attacked in his mind. So no wonder he has to have a boy fight a giant for him. He first had to have a boy worship for him. Why? Because your worship is warfare. And the enemy is always trying to come after your worship. If he can have, watch, if he can have your worship, he can have your mind. You know what else comes from your breath? Your prayer life. If he could steal your prayer life, he can have your mind. See, what's going on right now is the enemy has free access to people's minds because they have stopped praying and worshiping. How do we get a sound mind? You know what's wild? Is it says that those that control the friend from the diaphragm, the inner part of life, it says they can even control their heartbeat. Do you know every time I feel the demonic and I get rushes of anxiety from witchcraft, the first indicator is my heart begins to beat out of my chest. The scripture is teaching us, those with the sound mind aren't even affected by witchcraft because the inner control on the inside of them. 
There's this moment earlier this year where it was relentless witchcraft I was feeling. I haven't felt this much witchcraft and anxiety for about 12, 15 years. And I was praying in my office and it was so intense. I said, I just need to get in the sanctuary. So no one was here and I came and I laid on the floor of the sanctuary. It was about eight months ago. And as I'm laying on the floor of the sanctuary, I could feel my heart beating out of my chest, hitting the floor. Do you know what I did? I just worshiped. And I just sat in the presence and I said, no spirit, but the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, would you come? Listen, when you understand the power of your worship, it will bring sanity to an attacked mind. Scripture says this, I'll say it like this, a sound mind will help control your heart, your feelings, or your choices. So fear brings demonic activity, but a sound mind brings spiritual strength. And this is a bold statement, but it needs to be said. I don't believe we have the mental illness problem in America, we think we do. I believe we have a debased mind problem. Let me show you Romans chapter one, verse 28. The first 27 chapters are about sickening perversion that is running wild at this time. Here's what it goes on to say in verse 28. Furthermore, just as they did not think it worthwhile to retain the knowledge of God, so God gave them over to a depraved mind so that they would do what ought not to be done. They have become full of every kind of wickedness, evil, greed, and depravity. They are full of envy, murder, strife, deceit, and malice. They are gossips, they are slanderers, God-haters, insolent, arrogant, boastful. Look at this, they invent new ways of doing evil. They invent new genders. They disobey their parents, verse 31. They have no understanding, no fidelity, no love, and no mercy. Scripture says that those with a debased or deprived mind are completely corrupt and they only know evil. Watch what happened. So we stopped worship in America for about a year. And then even after churches opened, people stayed home. And they stopped worshiping. And then look at how fast our nation went to depravity. Where they are teaching three-year-olds that they could choose their genders. They're doing hysterectomies on 16-year-olds. We're doing strip club days with children at trans bars. And if you say anything about it, you are hateful. I would say if you don't say anything about it, you're unloving. Watch. And then we all pretend like it's okay. We pre pretend like it's normal. Watch, we don't wanna, we, we don't wanna be preachy. We don't wanna push our religion on anyone. So let me get this straight. They are shoving this perversion that is a religion down your throat. But if you say anything, you're hateful or preachy. 
Let's be honest. We're compromised and we're cowards. Where we are afraid of what they're going to call us. Losing our friends. Not being invited places. Losing clients. Guys, I'm telling you right now, we're at a place right now where we are watching America call good evil and evil good. I hear it all the time from members of our church. We have my boss pulled me aside when, when I talked about abortion or, or, or I, got, I, I got told that I wasn't allowed to have an opinion. So let me get this straight. Everybody else gets their opinions, but no one in the church gets their opinions. Hear this today. America is in the state of a debased mind. We are in the state of a depraved mind. And we are at a place right now that if we don't start renewing our minds, we will fully embrace the state of a depraved mind. Romans chapter 12 verse 1 talks about renewing our minds. It says, I appeal to you therefore my brothers, by the mercies of God to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God. This is your worship. I, I feel like I just need to pass to you for a second. Some of you love God, but you live perverted, sexually immoral lifestyles. And this could be heterosexual or homosexual. Let me help you. If it is not in the holiness of marriage that God defined, it is not right in God's eyes. So that's, here's what it means. It means that if you're sleeping with someone that's not your spouse, you're in sin. It means if you're living with someone right now and you're in this congregation and you're not married, you are in sin. It means this, that you are opening yourself up to demonic activity because of your partnership with perversion. But I'm here today to tell you that there's a, a way out. There's a way of deliverance. There's a sound mind on the other side, watch, of obedience. Hmm. It says, therefore be renewed, be transformed by the renewal of your mind. I love the Passion Translation says total reformation. That word renewing actually means renovation. What happens when you renovate something? You create value. You add a new value. When you renew your mind, it adds a tremendous amount of value to your life and your spiritual walk. It's important you understand this, that you do not get to choose your thoughts, but you do choose how you respond to your thoughts. Your thoughts are out of your control. When the enemy speaks to you, when the enemy attacks to you, when your flesh rises up, you can't control your thoughts. I've been serving the Lord all my life. I've been in full-time ministry for 20 years now and I have not learned how to control or how to stop thoughts. But we can take them captive. You can choose how you respond to your thoughts. See, a sound mind is determined by who's in control of your thoughts. 2 Corinthians 10 Verse four, you know this scripture. It says, for the weapons of our warfare are not of the flesh, but have divine power to destroy strongholds. The Lord told me strongholds were gonna be destroyed today. We destroy arguments 
and every lofty opinion that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. Look at this. And take every thought captive to obey Christ. Someone shout captive. That word captive is a war term. And here's what it means. Imagine a castle and a a new king and a new kingdom comes into that castle and they knock down the wall of it and they go in and they force out all of the opposing army. And the moment they take over that castle, it has been taken captive. And then everyone in that castle now is subject to submit to the new kingdom. This is what happens when you renew your mind. That the Holy Spirit comes in. It forces out every other demonic thing that you have served. Every other Lord, every other idol, everything else that you have submitted to. And it forces is out. And watch. And it raises a new banner of a new kingdom. And now we have the privilege and the opportunity to submit to a new lordship. Church. This is deliverance. Deliverance is when the enemy is kicked out. But we need to be delivered again because we let him back in. Holy Spirit told me to tell you to shut open doors in your life. You're going to experience deliverance today, but you need to shut open doors. The Lord told me there were some open doors in your life. You have open doors of unforgiveness. Where you won't forgive, the enemy will get back in. I'm going to say this again. Where you don't forgive, the enemy will get back in. Where you don't forgive in your marriage, where you don't forgive in your family, when you don't forgive that last ministry, whoever, whatever it is, the person that wronged you. Listen, I'm going to teach on forgiveness here in a couple of months. I didn't say they deserved it. I didn't say they earned it. I said, you have to forgive to shut doors. I can't tell you how many times I've been around the country when I was a traveling evangelist, I'd go to lay hands and pray over somebody. As I'm praying over somebody, uh, uh, the Lord says they need to forgive. And their ability to receive was based on their ability to forgive. The other open door I saw in people's life was rebellion. What is rebellion? You're not submitted. You're not submitted. You're not submitted to the Lordship of Jesus. You're not submitted to the Holy Spirit. You're not submitted to any spiritual covering. How do you know if you're not submitted? No one can tell you no. If there's no one in your life that can tell you no, you're not submitted. It's amazing how many husbands want their wives to submit to them, but they're submitted to no one. Ladies, don't clap that loud. Don't clap that loud. I saw a third open door as I was praying for you, and the open door was perversion. And you are allowing the enemy back into your life in mind, in your home, in your family through perversion. I heard the Lord say, shut the door. So let me teach you practically, how do you take every thought captive and how do you renew your mind? It's really a simple process. Scripture says you take every thought. Every thought in the Greek means everyone. And many of you have allowed the enemy 
you have free reign in your life. It's like when you go to the airport, you can't cross the gates till you show ID. And it's one at a time. Every person must stop and go through security. Ain't that right, John? And what they're doing is they're making sure that every person is in the right place. Taking every thought captive is taking every thought that comes into your mind and making sure it lines up with the truth of God's word. So when the enemy lies to you and tells you that he doesn't want to use you, that you're not forgiven, when, when, when he speaks shame over you, when he speaks perversion over you, when he speaks hopeless over, over you, when you hear suicidal thoughts, when, when the enemy's attacking you, every single thought you stop and you say, what does God's word say about this? Watch, and then you replace it with the truth. But some of you might be overwhelmed right now because there might be a lot of thoughts that go through your head. You say, Pastor, I don't know how to do this. Do what the scripture says. Every thought, every day, one by one. Do you know if this is what we do in pastoral care? Do you know we, we teach people, no, you, you, don't, you don't need pastoral care you need a daily encounter. And then in your daily encounter, this is what we teach you to do. Because some of you have so many unhealthy thoughts from so many years of allowing the enemy to have free reign, years of perversion, years of pornography, years of sin, that your minds can be wastelands. You say, Pastor, I don't know what to do with all of these inappropriate, ungodly, evil thoughts in my mind. It's not hard. It's just one at a time, all the time, don't stop. Give you an example. I was uh, dating Heather, about to get married, and uh, her father manipulated me. <laughs> and he said, hey, would you come over to my dad's house and help me clean it out? I need to, I need to help my dad. And I, I figured that helping for one Saturday afternoon was better than 14 years of marriage like Jacob, and so I said, okay. And so I went there and has anyone ever seen the show Hoarders? They said, sir, you have too much stuff. You can't be on our show. And I'm kind of being funny, but he went through trauma in the war and uh, he made some bad decisions in life and pushed people away. And uh, his his son, my father-in-law, found out that he was using the restroom at the McDonald's down the street a few blocks away because there was no plumbing in his house that worked. And when I got there, I've been in many third world countries and I've never seen a house this messy in my entire life. My father-in-law carved out a pathway, but there was newspapers from 50 years. There was hundreds of coffee cans, thousands of miscellaneous things of junk. You couldn't see his furniture. You couldn't even open the door to the kitchen at that point. When you cracked the door, you couldn't see the countertops. There was so much junk. And, I, and I'd never seen anything like it in my entire life. And my father-in-law told me this. He said, I've already done three dumpsters before you got here. And you know how we cleaned that place? One room. One bag, one wheelbarrow, one dumpster at a time. And when we were done, it was a very valuable house 
in a very beautiful area that was much to be desired. We just had to get the junk out. A lot of you haven't felt valuable because you've just allowed too much junk in. But those, I feel the Holy Ghost, but those that renew their mind, watch, they renovate. And it creates a beautiful value. Some of you need to hear this. You have great value. Let's go back to our text. First Kings chapter 19. I gotta hurry. This is one of the most powerful stories. This, this has literally changed and saved my life. So if you're new to the faith, you have a prophet named Elijah, you have a king named Ahab, and he married a wicked witch named Jezebel. She was, she was the most evil woman to walk the face of the earth. Scripture talks about a spirit of Jezebel. Jesus mentioned her in the book of Revelation because she's so foul, this spirit operates in other people even to this day. So Elijah is dealing with the original woman of Jezebel in the flesh. Here's what she did. It's kind of like America today. She convinced God's leaders to be compromised, infiltrated the church, and got the church to worship Baal. Reminds me of all the pastors that didn't say anything about abortion and didn't celebrate. It's a Jezebel spirit. Jezebel was the originator of child sacrifice, abortion, and human trafficking. So she created, and there's kids in the room, but she created worship places that were sexual and that's how they worship their false God. So God's people were called to be holy and she created a, a religion of perversion. So Elijah confronts the 850 prophets. Now she rose to power because her assassins killed all of God's people, all of the pastors and leaders and prophets that were standing up. So Elijah has this confrontation moment where he says to the 850 false prophets of Baal, if your God is as God, have him call down fire from heaven. This is first Kings chapter 18 and nothing happened. So then Elijah said, now I'm going to call on my God and fire fell from heaven. You need to understand this. This actually happened. This is not allegorical. He called on God, God answered by fire, and then they put those 850 prophets to the, uh, to, to the sword. Elijah was a spiritual beast. Watch this. One of the greatest prophets who ever walked the face of the earth calls down fire from heaven. And one woman operating in witchcraft threatens him through a letter. And he runs we find our text in 1 Kings 19. Watch, he has a mental breakdown. Runs out to the de desert and prays that God will take his life. This is the spiritual leader of Israel. Do you know what this text is teaching us? You can prophesy and still not have a sound mind. Well, you can lead us in worship and still not have a sound mind. 
Listen, you can run a small group and still not have a sound mind. Listen, you can you could be in, in the church serving for years and still not have a sound mind. So what happened? Watch, he was repeating it over and over. Go look at this over and over. He would say these words. Watch, he didn't have soul friend. He didn't have safe words from the inmost parts. He wasn't stewarding the words of life inside of him. Watch, he was repeating curses. He was repeating darkness. He was repeating words of witchcraft. And he runs out and he asks God to kill him. Let me just pause for a second. If one of the greatest prophets who ever walked the face of the earth could be struggling mentally and being attacked in his mind, do you think that potentially you and I could too? And what happened? God taught him, watch, how to take thoughts captive. He goes back in in 1 Kings chapter 19. Go to verse 19, verse 18. He goes on his whole spiel. He kept saying it over and over. God, I'm the only one left. All this, all the, all the prophets have died. I've served you. I've done this. I've done this. I'm feeling bad for myself. I'm complaining. I'm having a pity party. And God said, let's have an encounter. He takes him to the cliff. Thunder, fire, wind, still small voice. And here's what he says. First Kings 19, 18. He said, Elijah, watch. Let me take that lie you've been holding on to. <laughs> I love you, man. You're my boy. I answered your prayer to bring fire down. But you're not my only one. I actually have 7,000 just like you whose knees haven't bowed to Baal, whose mouths haven't kissed them. They haven't been intimate with the things of the world. They haven't given in to this false religion. He said, there are 7,000 just like you. In fact, I want you to go anoint one of them, Jehu, to be the king. Then I want you to go anoint another one, Elisha, to be the prophet after you. And he said, watch, I'm gonna teach you how to take your thoughts captive. Second Kings chapter nine, we see the power of a sound mind. Look at this, Second Kings chapter nine. It's the story of Jezebel's demise. I'm gonna read about six verses and then we're gonna close. Worship team, come and join me. It says, when Jehu came, don't play, just come please. Jezebel heard of it. She painted her eyes, adorned her head, looked out the window. And as Jehu entered the gate, she says, is it peace? You Zimri murderer of your master. And he lifted up his face to the window and said, who's on the Lord's side? Two or three of the servants looked at him. He said, throw her down. So they threw her down. Some of the blood splattered on the wall, on the horses, and they trampled her. And then he went and ate and drank and said, see now this cursed woman and bury her for she is a king's daughter. Verse 35. When they went out to bury her, they found no more of her then a skull and the feet and the palms of her hands. Verse 36, when they came back and told him, he said, this is the word of the Lord, which was spoken by Elijah the Tishbite. In the territory of Jezreel, the dog shall eat the flesh of Jezebel. Look at verse 37, please. It says, in the corpse of Jezebel should be as dung on the face of the field in the territory of Jezreel so that no one can say this is is Jezebel. 
the woman that wreaked havoc in Israel, that used witchcraft to torment a prophet of God, met a warrior named Jehu who said, I won't tolerate your words. You got to go read it for yourself in 2 Kings 8 and 9. I have time to go into it today. He said, every one of your words, every one of your lies, every one of your threats, I won't talk about it. In fact, he told servants, get behind me. He would not tolerate it. Watch this. He calls her servants to throw her down. They throw her out of the window of the tower. She falls. According to scripture, dogs come and eat her and dismember her. And when they come back to bury her, because she was a queen that needed a burial, when they came back, there weren't enough body parts to to bury her. One. Why is this so important? They tried to build her a grave, but they couldn't. I'll say it like this. They tried to give her a memorial. Watch. I love how God does this. God says, I'm going to renew the people of God's mind. So Jezebel is going to be eaten by dogs and there's no place to bury her or there's no place to go back and remember her. He said, the people of God are not going to give her any more mental Real estate. This is what happens when you have a sound mind. Just play soft. Those that are tormenting you don't get a memorial in your mind. The demonic spirits that are harassing you don't have any more mental real estate in your mind. When you have a sound mind, your thoughts are submitted to the Holy Spirit. I want to share one more story with you before we close. I know a lot of people see us and they see our boldness. I probably hear more than anything people say, thank you for your yes and thank you for your boldness. And people either hate us for our boldness or love us for our boldness. But I didn't always have that boldness. And there was a season in our life, it was about 15 years ago, where I did not have a sound mind. I didn't know how to take thoughts captive. And I believe that there was a great call of God on my life. And so there was great demonic resistance. And sometimes people don't realize that it's not that you're doing something wrong. It's you could be doing something right that you're attacked. And there was a season of time for about a year where the enemy had free reign in my mind. There was a season of time, turn the piano up a little bit, where it was about a year period of time where I would regularly think about how to end my own life. 
I would have vivid daydreams on how I would do it and make sure that my wife wouldn't find me. I remember one time I was driving next to her. She's asleep in the car. And I hear a voice out loud saying, leave her right now before she has kids, before it's too late. I was tormented. It got so dark and so intense. There's this one moment in particular. It's hard to describe, but I lost the ability to talk. I was sitting on the floor My back was up against the wall and I was hunched over on the floor and I was trying to say words, but no words would come out of my mouth. And the only thing I could remember thinking is God, you don't want to use me. And this Jezebel spirit, this demonic witchcraft and warfare was physically, mentally, and emotionally tormenting me. And as I'm sitting in the apartment floor, can't get words out, my wife walked up to me and she laid her hands on my head and she started rebuking the spirit of Jezebel. She started praying in the Holy Spirit. And I remember for the first time ever feeling deliverance where that tormenting, crushing weight lifted off me. I know what it's like to really think about ending your life. I know what it's like letting the enemy have free reign in your mind. I know what it's like being demonically harassed. And I know what it's like to experience deliverance. If you need to get saved today, stand to your feet. If you need to give your life to Jesus right now, if you need to submit your heart and soul to Jesus, just stand to your feet. Just stand to your feet. We hope you've enjoyed this message from Mercy Culture Church. If this podcast has blessed you, we'd like to encourage you to share it with a friend. To learn more about us, find us on social media and online at mercyculture.com. 